You know, uh, talking about money is not always an easy topic, is it? It's very personal. But this morning we're going to be talking about money, and the title of the message is Money Matters. Now, does money matter? <laughs> yes. Fortunately or unfortunately, I guess depending on how you look at it, we need money in this present world that we live in. We're not trading things and bartering as much as maybe they did back in the old days. I've often thought it'd be nice, wouldn't it? To go back to the days when everybody was industrious and everybody uh, was working together. I think back particularly when this nation was kind of starting out back there in, in the east and how people worked together and shared their talents. And if one person had a talent in this area and maybe they were good with their hands at growing things, well, they could share those things. But it's not happening today, is it? Got to have money. And so we're going to be talking about how money matters today. And we're going to be talking about money matters. <laughs> the matters, the things that we have to deal with as a result of money. Because unfortunately, <clears throat> for many people today, money isn't just something that's a tool to live life. And in many marriages, money has become a point of conflict because for one or the other, money has not just been a tool, money has become the reason for living. And that means greed starts happening and selfishness. And difficulties arising from that. So if we're going to have a marriage that is heart to heart, you want a marriage like that? We've got to deal with the money and how it matters in our marriages today. And how we're going to deal with some of the differences that we come into marriage with. Because we aren't going to see everything the same when we come into a marriage, are we? <clears throat> you know, there's many different principles in God's word on financial matters. And in God's word, we find the clear direction that will answer all of our problems. And we could spend several hours talking about each one of the ones we have, come, we have found and that we have found the joy in bringing into our lives and implementing. And in fact, Thomas shared uh, a very in-depth message. He actually does two messages called uh, Uncommon Answers to Common Questions on Finances, and it's in this series here, Uncommon Answers to Common Questions. So we're going to stay away from probably some of the more typical um, biblical principles, the more common biblical principles on financial management today. And we want to talk about two that are very unusual. You don't usually hear them discussed often in financial counseling. But they are very, very impactive, vital to having a wholesome, happy marriage union. The first one we'd like to talk about this morning is found in Amos 3, verse 3. And this is what it says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Hmm. You mean that that text that we've always thought related to spiritual issues is talking about can my husband and I walk together in harmony if we are not in agreement on what we do with the purse in our house? You see, God's word applies very personal to each of our lives. It, it applies very intimately to each of our lives. 
And we have found in our marriage that if we do not come to an agreement on how our finances, how our funds are to be used, we are going to have conflict in our marriage. Have you found that? Have you experienced it? We have to come to an agreement. That's the first thing we want to talk about. How to agree on how the money is to be used. Now, that won't happen like all the other things that we've been talking about. That won't happen if there's not a willingness to surrender. That can't happen. But if it doesn't happen, it can't be glossed over. That's right. As we have worked with families all over the world in the area of finances, you cannot have disagreements in this area. You cannot be in disharmony and disunity in finances and have a successful marriage union. Now, you can sidestep these things. You can come to the place where you say, well, we're just not going to talk about this. But you will not have the full and free and open marriage union that represents Christ and his church. And that is what the marriage union is to represent in every part of the marriage. Typically, what often happens is we come into marriage from two very different perspectives. Maybe one person has come from uh, a very easy-to-spend-money background, and the other one may have come from uh, a saving background. I know of of one person, uh, he said, you know, if I could make $50,000 a year, I wouldn't have any financial problems, okay? If I could just make $50,000 a year, I would not have the stresses. But because he and his wife were not together in their marriage union in several areas, including finances, because they were not coming together and, and making decisions on how to use the money in accordance with God's plan for their lives, they were not coming into communication together as to how they should use the money for their own needs in the marriage. As a result... He wanted to spend the money his way, and he just didn't feel like he had enough of it. If he had $50,000 instead of what he was making, then he could please his self and the way his spending habits were, and he could also then meet some of the needs that his wife was feeling for saving some money, having some money set aside. Well, that individual in due time, in fact, within a couple of years, was making $50,000 a year, which is what he was His dream. dreaming for. Now, I want to ask you, do you think that their finances came in line then? No. No, absolutely not. Because if they couldn't agree on how to use their finances when they were making $15,000 a year, and they weren't agreed on their finances when they're making $50,000 a year, it doesn't matter. They're still out of harmony, and they're still using their money inappropriately. When we think about the marriage union, of course, again, our, my mind, our minds always go to 1 Corinthians 13. There is the complete description of the type of marriage as God wants us to have. And in there we find love seeks not her own. Mm. And the difficulty we find in marriages, in our own marriage, is the fact that self wants to seek its own way. And myself is different than my husband. Therefore, conflict arises. 
In the area of finances, if I seek my own way, that means I buy what I want to buy. I spend the money the way I want to spend the money. And every decision I make is in relationship to how it pleases me. I am developing a very selfish spirit. And I am preparing the way for conflict and heartache in our marriage. See, in our marriages, we take the love that God wants to give us. And that love is not a love for me alone. It's a love for us. We think in our marriage relationship in, from the perspective of what it is for us and not just for me. And the whole perspective changes. In our marriage, we found the benefit of coming to understand this principle in Amos 3.3. 3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? And recognizing that that verse is talking about even our pocketbook, even our finances. Just because I was working and he was working, we know couples, this is my money and that's your money. You spend yours the way you want to. I'll spend mine the way I want to. We have pooled it together. We know couples that when the wife doesn't work anymore, the husband still has this attitude, well, you know, I'll give you a little bit, but, you know, the rest of the money is mine. This is our money that we are putting together for a common goal, and that is to live this life in this world through the power of Jesus Christ and have the means to accomplish that. So we found the the benefit of taking time to discuss our financial matters in the home. First of all, we talked about our regular living expenses. And that's, I think you all know what that means. That's our housing expenses, our utilities, our food to live on. But then we went beyond that. We talked about major purchases. Now, I will tell you a little bit about my background. I am a great shopper. In fact, that was a way I used to entertain myself. And if I couldn't physically be out of my home, going through the malls, window shopping is the old term for it. I don't know what they call it now. But uh, I had catalogs coming to my home. You don't even have to ask for them. Somehow, the devil's program is he just fills our mailboxes and he fills our home with all kind of uh, magazines and things that come into your home, catalogs that say, this is what you want to be happy. And I used to be a catalog cruiser. You know what that is? Just sit down for a few minutes and start flipping through and, oh, there's this and there's that. You can't even buy a journal without advertisements in it because that's how they make the money. And so I found myself cruising through these. Oh, that's a lovely dress. That, I really like that. And you know, that, that new dining room set, that's very attractive. I can remember taking my husband to the store because I had, you know, I, when I first stopped working full time and I had little children, well, I would take them with me to the stores. And I went to the furniture shops and the malls and then this and then that. And I went to this one furniture shop and I saw the most beautiful family room set. I thought, this is what we need. We have this old couch and it doesn't look very nice. And I would like to have a new set. And I visited that that store several times. I got to know the salesman. And he was talking about making this wonderful deal for us. And then I knew it was time to bring my husband there. And then I brought him there. And I said, oh, honey, sit down. Isn't it nice? Isn't it lovely? And here's this good deal this man's going to give for us. And there my husband was ready to say, okay. And he said, okay, let's get it. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think I want it. Now, the reason I said that is because at that point, the Spirit of God put something in my heart. I realized that for us to buy that, even though it was a good deal, you know, they have these no no money down, no financing for so long, we'll give it to you on sale, that that 
Those funds spent in that way meant that my husband or I would have to work more to pay for that without going into debt. And so I said, never mind, honey. I don't want it. And at that, about that same time is when God really started pressing our hearts with the decision that he was calling us away from uh, the busyness of life and into a quieter lifestyle to come to know him. And I began to recognize that if we made that decision to spend that $900 on this, this family room set, not only would it put us behind in the present, but it would take away from our, our early discussions and our goals of heading for the country. You know, many times the things that we're introducing or discussing here are never discussed. They're just assumed or taken for granted. Many of the major decisions are made without really sitting down and coming into harmony and discussing how we view these different things. And a lot of, a lot of the problems in every area of marriage, including finances, is the lack of communication. Mm-hmm. It is amazing to us as we, as we travel and visit with various people that there is so little time for communication in the homes. Now, we understand why this is. We understand that we live in a very fast-paced society, We live in a time when the computer is getting faster and faster, and the reason it's getting faster is so that you can do more things in less time and redeem your time, right? Is that what's happening? No. No, it's not happening. We are not redeeming time if we are not using the computer as a tool, but in many cases, the computer is starting to consume families. Mm -hmm. Instead of saving time, the computer now is robbing families of time. It's taking men who used to do a five-day work week and making them stuff eight days into five because there's so much more capability in the computer. They're not gaining any time. And so the, the time is being robbed from families. It's being robbed from marriages. And we find today very few couples are taking time for basic communication about the baseline needs of the family. Mm -hmm. It's sad. It's the devil's program. The computer is not the issue. It's the devil as a master at taking these things that could be used as useful tools. We have a computer in our home. But I can tell you something. The computer does not consume us. We are not on the Internet We do not use the computer for email. Now, we're not against email, and we're not against the Internet. But we have seen that our lives are just as full as we believe God can safely fill them Mm -hmm. and meet the needs of our home. And if we were on the Internet, and if we were getting 50 emails a day, which we could be getting, we would not be able to have the time for our family because we feel obligated and conscientious to deal with those things that come to us and deal with them in an orderly fashion. Therefore, it's not because it's a wrong tool, it's because the devil has gotten us to the place today that we don't know how to control these tools. And the devil gets in there and takes control. And so people are not sitting down and communicating about basic decisions about their finances. For example, if you were to buy a home, and we're going to share with you two examples of two couples. 
One who, the, the couple sat down and they shared together what their goals were in purchasing a home and how they were going to go about it. And this couple had a $50,000 home purchase and they decided that they wanted to get a nine-year mortgage because they had communicated about their needs. They communicated about what they would be willing to sacrifice, what they would be willing to pour into this so that they could be completely out of debt in as quick a time as possible. They agreed. They agreed on that together. And they agreed that they would put all their energies and their desires into this common goal. And they are presently debt-free and own their home. In less than nine years. Because they applied themselves together toward that goal. Now tell them about the other couple. We know another couple who bought a home for about the same price, $50,000. And they could not agree. The husband saw it one way, the wife saw it a different way. And the husband wanted to take a 30-year mortgage because he said, Look, it's just never going to be paid off. We just may as well face the facts that we're going to have a mortgage and this is the way life is going to be. Plus, the, the husband in that, in that situation really didn't feel he could trust his wife's financial savvy. Okay? He was more of the financier. Mm -hmm. So they took out a 30-year mortgage. And nine years later, they owe almost the full $50,000. So two couples, about the same time, bought similar priced homes. In less than nine years, one couple is now debt-free. The other couple is in the bondage of debt at nearly what they started with nine years ago. You can see that in that simple illustration... Communication, and not just communication, but first making time to communicate and then being willing to merge one another's backgrounds, if you will, what we've been raised with, and merge those under Christ. Now, we're never to give up the individual that we are in marriage, are we? We are to be individuals. We are not to try to swap individualities or try to make this individual what I think she should be. But we are to blend together. Now, there again, you see, in the Bible, the relationship between Christ and his people, there's an even more intimate relationship that's being revealed in the marriage relationship. It's the blending of the divine nature Amen. with the human nature. Okay? That is supposed to happen in marriage. Not blending a divine and human, but that illustration is to happen in marriage. It's taking two people who have a self-will, a selfish nature, and it's bringing those people individually into harmony with God, who is merging his divine nature with humanity and taking those two humans and blending them in the spirit of God Amen. to come into harmony and agreement with God. And friends, if we are not doing that in our marriages, if we are not first communicating, we're going to have all kinds of problems. But if we're willing, you know, we have found in our marriage that if we are willing to let self be set aside just long enough to consult God, he always has the answer.
He always has a solution to the problem. But many times, we don't want to let self. And that was in our early marriage particularly. We just wanted, instead of letting self go, we wanted self to dominate. It was me trying to dominate my wife. My wife trying to entreat her husband. And it was back and forth. And it never works. As we've talked about this area of finances, it brings the thought to my mind that we have come in our marriage to make one agreement. And that agreement is if we just agree on anything, rather than standing up and saying, I'm right, I can remember, that's the way I was raised, or him saying that, we have agreed that we will not argue, debate, and push our point, but we will let ourselves separately and quietly go study the Word of God for the answer. Amen. Not going to God's Word to say, yes, right here, this, this is what I was looking for. That proves that I'm right. <laughs> but to really study God's Word with an open mind to find out what God has to say about that issue because God has an answer to every problem that we have. Amen. Whether it's in the marriage, in our home, in our work, in any area in life, there's an answer. There's a principle in God's Word. And so we have decided, we have agreed that we will go to God's word and we will find the answer that he has. And then we have agreed that whatever God says, we are willing to do. Because that's where we found our greatest joy. And that, that has affected how we spend our money in our finances. That's why we can agree on things. We talk about things before we go out and buy them. If we are thinking of a new vehicle, if I feel like, you know, this, this old truck that we had when we moved to the country, is, it's really getting very old and undependable and not very safe to be taking your family in. I said, honey, what do you think about a new vehicle? If, the stim- if I'm stimulating the idea, and then he can think about it, he can pray about it, he can talk about it. And then we can talk about it together. And then we can say, do we have the funds? Have we saved enough money to have this vehicle? What can we afford? Not what do we like, but what can we afford? And then we've gone beyond that and said, Lord, if this is what you want us to have, you must open the way. You must show us clearly we do not want to be in debt. You must find that vehicle for us for the funds that we have saved. And God has done it every time. And then another time when we changed out vehicles, my husband had the idea. It was his thoughts. It was his desire. And he, we communicated it. But just because we both agree doesn't necessarily mean it's an agreement with God. Amen. We have to go to God and say, God, do you want us to have that? And we changed vehicles. And now we have a Ford Aerostar van. We have a family of five and we travel a lot. And we homeschool as we go. And so the children need places to do their schoolwork. We have tapes we take with us on the ministry. We need a place to pack them. And that vehicle has worked wonderful for our needs. But we have talked about these things back and forth. And we come to an agreement. When we go into the store, if Tom goes through the tool section and he sees a new cross-cut saw... And he doesn't have a crosscut saw, and he knows he's got some. Is that the right word, crosscut saw? You talking about a chainsaw? No, I'm talking about that other saw you got. The the, the one that goes. You push the boards through. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what that I, table saw. Thank you, dear. I knew that didn't sound right. That wasn't in the notes, as you can see. <laughs> he showed me the table saw. We talked about it. You know, we've, we're building a greenhouse. This is some of the needs that we have. 
you know, my son's getting older, Josiah's growing up, and this is, if we can invest, do we have the funds to invest in this saw? It can be an occupation for him. He can learn how to build, how to use his hands. We discussed all the pros and cons of the table saw. And then, having the money, having permission of the Lord, and being in agreement. Then waiting till it was on sale. (laughs) (laughs) We have a table saw, and it's been a blessing to our home, to them and their work outside. You know, coming to an agreement on one area, and, and I'm just going to share this experience of a young couple. They said, when the Bible says, oh, no, man, anything, God must have had a reason. Romans 13.8 says, oh, no, man, anything. Now, was God just trying to be funny when he said that? Was he just saying that because... There was a spot in the Bible that needed to be filled, and he thought that sounded like a good thing to say. God never wastes words, brothers and sisters. There is a reason why God said, Oh, no man, anything. And I deal with this in in the series that Elaine talked about at the beginning of the message very heavily. But I want to just share with you the experience of a young couple who said they believed that God meant this for them, and they didn't even want to have a mortgage. Okay? Now, you will never hear me say to you that you should not have a mortgage. And that sounds like a contradiction. It's not really a contradiction when you understand all the counsel that's been given. But you will hear me say, if you have a mortgage today... Bend every effort that you can to clear that mortgage, brothers and sisters. Bend every effort. Because slavery is going to return to this United States of America. Did you know that? It's going to return. Okay? John the Revelator wrote about it in the book of Revelation. He said, every bondman and every free man cried for the rocks to fall on them. There's going to be slavery when Jesus comes. It's there. It's in God's word. Most people don't even recognize that. But if you study, there's a reason why God has said, oh, no man, ever, anything, because God knows that the borrower becomes a servant to the lender. And that time is going to come. And even if you own a home that, you're, that you really don't own, you're, you have a mortgage on it, People used to say, well, we'll just give that home back. Well, it's not going to be that easy in the last days. Because if you're not going along with the program, they're not going to want your house back. They're going to want you. Mm -hmm. And you will become a bond slave. You will become a servant. They don't want the house back. The world's falling apart. They don't want your house. Now they want you. And you will be their legal servant, even under the laws that are presently on the books of the United States of America. You will be their servant. So, this young couple said, we don't want to have even mortgage debt. And so they made a decision to do what very few people make a decision to do. They decided to live in a little trailer. And I've been in that little trailer. A little little trailer that was a pull behind a car. It wasn't a little 16 by 80 trailer, okay? It was a little trailer. A car could pull, not a pickup. Okay. And they made an agreement together as a couple that they were willing to forgo many of the things that they both would like in a desire to save money to be able to purchase a home. 
someday. And for several years, they made this a goal and they worked together happily in harmony, walking together, and they saved their money and God honored them in that. And they began looking for property in the areas that they liked and then they realized that it just wasn't affordable there and they didn't get discouraged. And they were praying that the Lord would honor them. He says, those who honor me, I will honor. And God never goes back on his part. If we will follow what we believe God is asking us to do, he never goes back on his part. And God showed them a piece of property for $18,000 with a house on it. Now the house needed We would call it a fixer-upper today. We would probably call it a serious fixer-upper today. (laughs) But they were not unhappy. They were not discouraged. They said, this is the house that God provided for us. And so, in the same unity, in the same harmony, in the same desire to stay out of debt, they started working on that house while they lived in their little trailer. And God blessed them. And they did not go in debt to fix up this house. They did not run ahead of the Lord. They fixed up this little house. And in two years, they have a beautiful, it's only, it's less than a thousand square feet. But there again, they were in harmony. They wanted to be in a simple home. It's a mansion from their trailer. Yes. <laughs> and they have it's two a mansion. children now. <laughs> they wanted to be in a simple home. Home, and God bless them. And you know, today, do you know what that house is worth today? They had it appraised. After following God and simply moving forward as the money came, that house is worth over $100,000 today. Two years. Because they followed God's plan. That was what they felt God was asking them to do. I use this illustration because many people say, well, we just can't do it. We, we just, you know, our finances are just a problem that we can't work through. No, brothers and sisters, that's a lie of the devil. That's right. God will give you the grace to work through every problem that you face in your finances if he can work through you. That's right. <laughs> and in order to work through you, he has to get you and I to be willing to say yes to him and start saying no to self that that we've been answering to all these years. And God will change us. He will miraculously change us. That's what it is. It's the greatest miracle that can be seen is the miracle of God transforming a human life. Amen. You know, I think again of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love bears all things. That's what that couple went through. I mean, would you like to live five years in a small travel trailer? It believes all things. They believe that if they were faithful, God was going to give them the desire of their heart. And that's what God promises. They hoped all things. And they endured all things. And God has richly blessed them. And they don't have the stress, the financial stress in their marriage. They have a marriage where communication is open where their goals and direction are the same. And those goals and directions are in harmony with what God says, not with what man says. We need to be happy. That's right. The next area 
that we want to talk about that is very uncommon in financial counseling, that is vital in the marriage relationship, is that money matters really matter. And what I mean by that is that it is vitally important that both husband and wife know what financial resources you have in your home, you have as a family, as a couple, and how those things are being spent. Now, we talked about the spending in, but we also need to talk about what resources there are, the savings. We know one couple that the wife did all of the finances in the home, and she was a good financial manager. They were not in debt. And we praise God that they weren't in debt. But when she passed away, the husband had no idea what money they had. He had no idea uh, how to take care of things. He had no idea how to pay bills. He had no idea how to do anything, how to manage money at all, because it always was her job. Now, in our home, I usually manage the funds, but I'm a communication with my husband and I keep a a record of every penny that we spend in our house he brings me the receipts of things that he's spent and I know what they are and I share with him the things that I buy you know if I come home from town with the groceries he'll help me put them away he has an overview of what I'm spending and if it's something out of the ordinary in the household and maybe I made a decision without him I always bring it home and say honey what do you think because I know I can take it back and I don't want it in my house if my husband doesn't want it there see in our family and, and Elaine used the term manager meaning that she manages the records mm-hmm. but she is not the manager of the money in the exactly. home exactly okay And I think it's important that you understand this. Really, she always consults me for the major decisions, and we discuss these together. We come to that agreement to walking together. Actually, in the home, I am the manager of the money as the head of the home. Mm -hmm. But my wife is my financial secretary. (laughs) So when she says she manages the money, if you were to, to come to our home and ask, you know, well, how do you, how do you keep track of a budget? It would all be in her handwriting because she has taken that responsibility. We have agreed that that is better suited to her talents and personality. Now, when I was a single individual and I lived in an apartment with three other people that I worked with, three other young men... I was the money manager of that apartment. I handled all the bills for all those men, all the the bills that came in. I managed the money, and I kept account of it. But when we got married, I really didn't want to do that. (laughs) So I think it's very important that you understand who really manages the money and how it's managed together, and then you can decide who is best equipped to be the accountant, if you will, because we really need accountability. But we don't just need accountability that is only in the mind of one person. We need accountability that is clear to both people so that there's always an understanding of what's going on and there's not a misunderstanding of where the money's going. I talked to someone else, and they also had a death in their family. It was a parent. And when they started working through the funeral arrangements and all those other things, they, and even though it was outside of the marriage relationship, the the 
um, concept is still vitally important for us to understand. They found out that here their parents, their parent died in debt. And all these debts are left for them. And uh, it was just, it's incredible. We need to have that kind of communication in our home. That we know where the funds are. If we have, when we have, I shouldn't say if we have a savings. God wants us to have a savings. That's one of his principles. We should know where those savings are. How they're being used. We should know the purpose of those savings. They should be marked for certain things. Um, they always should be a savings that is there only for emergencies. That does not mean we buy a new vehicle with it, unless there's just a disaster with our old one. It means it's there in case there's a crisis, an unplanned for crisis, that our family is not put in a financial uh, difficulty. We have a savings saved for a, finan- for a crisis situation that's out of our control. There's all too much credit card spending in this generation that we live in today, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with credit cards, okay? There again, there's nothing wrong with computers. It's who's in control. The computer, is the computer driving the family crazy? Are the credit cards driving the purchasing? That's the question. And there are many situations that we've, as we've worked with various families where we've, we've seen where the husband and the wife both have a string, a long string of credit cards, okay? And both of those individuals are out there spending those credit cards to their limits with no consultation of where the money's going. And then the bills come in. There's no funds available. But the credit cards are still there. And people are spending themselves into divorce. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen this. It's a tragedy. People are taking their credit cards and spending themselves into such stress that they feel it's easier to go their separate ways than to try to unbury themselves. Brothers and sisters, you may not have that problem. And I use these stark examples You may not have that problem, but you need to be in communication about how the money is being spent and be accountable to each other. My wife and I go over the credit card receipts. We travel all over the world, and we have two credit cards, okay? And we have never paid a penny of interest on a credit card in our lives. Credit cards are tools, to be used, not to abuse a marriage, not to abuse a family. Amen. If we do not have the funds available to meet that credit card expense, that credit card is never pulled out of a billfold. That's right. It's cut that's up. discipline. And that's communication. When the bill comes in, my wife and I know exactly what those expenses are. They're anticipated. And if there's something that shows up there... My wife calls me and says, Honey, do you know what this is? I don't recognize this. And we've caught fraud on our credit card before because we know what's supposed to be there. You know, many people miss that. People are double charged. They never even know it. We've been double charged so many times on credit cards and we've never missed them because we go through. My wife goes through and makes sure of the accountability of the people who are taking care of those charges. We need to know... And we know of of couples today, even as we're speaking to you, 
A lady who had a what she thought was a very trusting relationship with her husband. They loved each other. He seemed to be such a good provider. And she found out in a very traumatic way that her husband was maxing out credit cards that she never even knew existed and she never saw the bills. He was taking those bills. He was never paying the taxes. He was not letting her know that the house was in foreclosure and that he had filed bankruptcy. Here is his loving wife trusting in her spouse, thinking that he loves her and is providing for her. He's got a good income, which he did, but he's living a secret life that was draining them of their finances. And when she found out, can you imagine how devastated she was? Now there again, that may not be the scenario for you, but it is the scenario for more than a few people that we know. And it's tragic. And it all starts because somebody is not willing to deal with self, not willing to say no to their passions, to say no to their appetites, to say no to the lusts of the flesh. And so... At first, maybe they can just do a little here with one credit card, but that's not enough because that grows like a monster. Mm-hmm. Self is like a fire that gets bigger and bigger and has to have more fuel to burn. And pretty soon, it's out of control. And then, then the marriage collapses. Or in this case, the marriage did not collapse because the wife loved her husband. And they're in the process, by the grace of God, of rebuilding that marriage right now. You know, the devil has tried to convince us that if we follow God's ways, we're going to be so unhappy. Hasn't he done a good job at that? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything around us in society says, if you want it, get it. If it tastes good, eat it. If it feels good, do it. It's just all fleshly thrust. That's the devil's program, and we see it everywhere we go. You can't walk into a store. You can't walk into a gas station. You can't even, many people can't even drive down their block without seeing something that is there to stimulate the lower nature that we are desirous of having God have control of. We are constantly being bombarded, and that's the devil's program. You're not going to be happy if you do it the Lord's way. You're going to be happy if you do it this way. But in reality, do you find that happiness? Just think about your own experience, whether it's in finances or anything. Have you ever found that real, in-depth, heart, joy and happiness when you've just done what your fleshly nature wants to do? We never have. All we've found is that we come out of the situation dissatisfied, disillusioned perhaps. Discontented. Discontented. Opposite of what God says he wants to give us. God wants us to look at his, his principles in our marriages, in the areas of finances, our money. It does matter. We need to agree on how our money is to be used. We need to be both aware of how it is being used. Husband and wife need to know where those bills are going. They need to know where those savings are. And they need to know everything clear, up front. No holdbacks. No hiding. On where the finances No hiding of, of habits that you haven't been willing to deal with in the Lord. And you need a will. Amen. You need a will. 
It doesn't mean you're going to die because you have a will. That's right. But we need a will. We need something that if, if I'm flying home with my wife today and the plane crashes, I have a will. My children need to, to be taken care of Amen. with a will. None of us expects to be killed in a car accident, do we? We're counseled in God's word that we need to have a will. It's prudent financial planning. We need to be accountable before God and for our family. Amen. It's a tragedy. We see people that, that have unfortunate situations happen and, and there's a death in the family and it leaves the family in chaos. We need to be thinking in our finances of the us. Amen. The we instead of me. So much of our lives, friends, have been lived in the me. Give me what I want. Give me what I like. Give me what feels good. Give me what tastes good. No, brothers and sisters, in our finances, we need to learn to live in the we. Amen. Let us do what we need to do together. Let me look at what my wife needs. Let me consider what she needs. Let's talk about us in our finances. That's what God's calling us to. I want that kind of a marriage. And by God's grace, our hearts are being bound closer and closer. And it's true in the finances as well as every other area. There's nothing held out in the area of finances in our home. And brothers and sisters, I wish... If you have not tasted this full freedom that we've been talking about this weekend, oh, how I yearn for you to taste that in every area of your lives, in every area of your marriage, because there is nothing like it comparable in this world. And the devil will start losing his hold upon you. Mm -hmm. We want to have marriages that are heart to heart. Do you want that? Amen. Let's kneel together as we close. Father in heaven, we realize that the devil is running out of time. He knows he has but a short time and he is working so vehemently to use every avenue to break down the soul and to break down the homes, to break down the families. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to urge us, continue to draw us, continue to press upon us and constrain us. All these words, Lord, that we need to have you do for us and in us, and that we will respond to you. We know that the, the work of salvation is a work of grace through faith. You've given us the faith. Lord, I pray that we would do the small but vital part of choosing to accept that grace, mm -hmm. choosing to take hold of your almighty arm that we might be led through life safely and that we might be married heart to heart, not only with our spouse, not only in our finances, but in every area of our lives, married heart to heart with you and then with the one you've given us on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.